Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Raja Krishnamoorthy has been a Democratic member of Congress since he was first elected in November of 2016. He's been popular in the 8th District, but this year he's facing a hard-charging and fairly well-funded Republican opponent. Is he worried? Well, we'll ask him. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this week is incumbent Congressman Raja Krishnamoorthy, who's had an especially high profile in the last couple of years as a member of the House Intelligence Committee and the House Oversight Committee. He's an attorney and was once part of the Illinois Attorney General's Public Integrity Unit under then AG Lisa Madigan. Now he represents some of the West and Northwest suburbs, and we are speaking via Zoom conferencing. Congressman Krishnamoorthy, welcome back. Hey, thank you, Craig. Glad to be back. Well, let's start with some of the big uh, headlines of the last couple of weeks. First, uh, President Biden has signed the Inflation Reduction Act, and Democratic Congress members have been praising it. Uh, Republicans in Congress and out have been insisting that it will increase inflation that is already out of control. Uh, your GOP challenger, Chris Dargis, is among those. What do you say to people who are troubled and, and sometimes confused over whom to believe these days? I think you should look at what the Inflation Reduction Act does. Uh, first of all, it lowers the price of prescription drugs uh, significantly over time, puts in place a $2,000 out-of-pocket cap for our seniors, as well as a $35 per month cap for insulin. It also lowers energy bills over time, lowers uh, insurance premiums on the Obamacare exchanges, and it lowers the deficit. So when you look at how much it lowers prices for those three vital items, I think that it is a, a big plus for American families. Well, your opponent and many other Republicans call the act a uh, tax increase on every family making less than $400,000. Um, what can you say to people who keep hearing that rhetoric? Um, unfortunately, for that, for these critics of the Inflation Reduction Act, they are just flat out wrong. Um, what it does is it sets a minimum tax for wealthy corporations that don't pay taxes uh, and those that pay less than 15%. A 15% minimum tax for a corporation making over $1 billion in net profits seems appropriate. Um, I think, unfortunately, the talking points that are adopted by some of these critics 
uh, seem to be the ones of tax cheats uh, and others who um, don't really want to see uh, the Inflation Reduction Act make sure that they pay their taxes. Hmm. Um, but how can people tell who is, is right in a debate like this? Because if somebody says, well, this is going to raise your taxes no matter what, and the Democrats are lying to you, how do people know the truth? I think they should look at the bill, um, and I think they should also uh, understand what's contained within the provisions going forward. A 15% minimum tax on corporations making more than $1 billion applies to only a small subset of entities in this country. And in addition, uh, there's a 1% stock buyback provision, One, I'm sorry, a 1% tax on uh, stock buybacks, which again is appropriate uh, for those corporations that aren't taking that money, that excess money that they might earn and investing in their employees or research and development or other purposes. I was a small business person before I came to Congress. I like to say that I signed the front of the check and the back of the check. And um, I know for a fact that we were not able to engage in stock buybacks, nor did we have more than $1 billion in profits. And yet we paid the full corporate income tax. And so it's not fair when our competitors, much larger corporations with tremendous power are able to avoid even paying 15%. So uh, this seems like a fair provision that's put in place. Um, there's so much in, the, uh, in this uh, bill, the uh, IRA uh, Act, climate change, inflation, healthcare, it's all in there. What do you believe is going to have the most or the, and maybe the quickest impact on local residents? I think that the lowering of uh, prescription drug prices is going to have an immediate impact in the sense that, uh, let's say you take the life-saving drug of insulin. Most people pay much more than $35 a month for their insulin. And so when I talk to my constituents and say that there's a $35 cap, they can't believe it. They are overjoyed that they don't have to pay more than $35 a month starting next year, and that will have a direct impact on them. And then over time, I believe that the tax incentives that are going to be put in place for the purchase of energy saving appliances or renewable sources of energy, such as solar panels or electric heat pumps and the like, um, will make it more possible for more people to um, save on their energy bills, upwards of $1,000 to $2,000 per year. And that makes a big dent um, in, in the cost of their energy purchases each year as well. Um, gas prices are coming down, but people are still seeing uh, high prices at the grocery store. Auto insurance may go up. And folks tend to blame whoever's in charge of the economy at the time. Uh, does that make this a, a, a challenging time for Democrats? I think it's, it, it's absolutely something that we have to tackle. And that's what I've been trying to do through different means. So for instance, I've called for using the Defense Production Act to increase refinery capacity, to make sure that for any quantum of oil that's drilled, uh, that we have enough refining capacity to create more gasoline uh, to then lower prices. I, I believe that we are seeing prices go down a bit, 
uh, but we need to see it go down more. With regard to grocery bills, unfortunately, there's a lot of market concentration in some of these industries that's driving high prices. So for instance, in the meat packing industry, which I'm currently investigating, four companies control more than 80% of market share. They have increased prices by double digits and their net income has soared by more than 300%, Craig. And so that particular uh, issue of profit taking based on their market power is happening not only with meat packing, it's happening in, happening in the shipping industry, it's happening in the rental car industry and so forth and so on. So that also has to be addressed too. Um, let's talk about another hot topic that's been dividing people. It's the search of former President Trump's estate in Florida. Uh, some but not all Republican leaders are criticizing the unprecedented action. But uh, as we learn more, what is concerning you most about uh, what's being found and, and, and why uh, the federal government went in? What concerns me the most is that at least 11 sets of classified documents were removed from Mar-a-Lago, and those classified documents should never have been there. Uh, as a member of the Intelligence Committee, I deal with these types of documents on an almost daily basis, but I can only review them in secure facilities guarded by armed police officers beneath the United States Capitol. Oftentimes, people are actually literally looking over our shoulders and taking inventory of every single piece of paper that we review. The fact that the president would have walked out of the White House with them um, and uh, possibly expose them to people who should never have seen them causes us great uh, distress, um, especially when we see that the Espionage Act was invoked in the warrant, meaning that certain defense information was possibly exposed. That should never, ever get in the hands of our adversaries. You know, at one point there were claims that Mr. Trump uh, declassified the documents he took. I know presidents have a lot of power. That seems to be beyond it, isn't it? That's ludicrous. And actually, I think CNN reported that 18 members of his administration, former members of the administration, said that there was never any such uh, broad brush uh, declassification order in place. Uh, it, it appears that the former president is making up that particular claim out of thin air. And it wouldn't make any sense anyway, because uh, the agencies at issue that are affected by those documents would have to run through a certain process to make sure that all the stakeholders who would be affected by any such declassification would be notified, would have their say, um, and that a deliberate decision that would safeguard our national security is ultimately made for the best interests of our country. Um, but supporters of the president suggest that in the end, this is all a political move just aimed to thwart uh, Mr. Trump from running for president again, that, that that's the motivation behind this. What do you, what do you say? Um, I think that that is uh, a misplaced charge Basically, what happened based on the published reports is that the president was supposed to turn over all these documents that he carted off from the White House to Mar-a-Lago to the presidential, I'm sorry, to the National Archives. The National Archives wrote him and asked him for the boxes of documents back. Um, he didn't produce all of those documents. 
They then sent a subpoena uh, through the Justice Department to get those documents. The documents were not forthcoming. Then they sent lawyers to Mar-a-Lago to try to recover the documents. Again, the documents are not forthcoming. And then finally, they went and recovered a bunch of these documents. At some level, when you have TSSCI, these are some of the most classified documents, some of the most precious or exquisite intelligence within the um, uh, intelligence community floating around at Mar-a-Lago. Um, and you don't, you can't account for them. Uh, that just raises more questions of why would President Trump not just turn those over after being requested multiple, multiple times to do so? I also want your opinion on uh, the reports that we've been getting that federal agents and a couple of federal facilities uh, have been targeted by uh, um, people who are supporters of President Trump and others, uh, and that now their security is coming into question. Well, that's that's the problem. When my colleagues on the other side use vitriol or hot rhetoric about the situation, they should really be very careful not to incite potential violence. You know, as my good friend, Republican Brian Fitzpatrick said the other day, he represents Philadelphia, um, people should just cool their heels, let the process unfold. As Vice President Pence also cautioned, uh, let's not use rhetoric that can get people hurt. And so I would just respectfully caution all my colleagues to let the process unfold, let the courts do their work and, um, and, 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 and not use rhetoric that could uh, uh, end up in violence. But that has been something that has typified the political discourse over the uh, last couple of years. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering if you have ideas on how we might counter that, because if you tell people your democracy, your country is being stolen from you, that elevates their, their feeling that anything is, you know, is justified in order to keep the country from being stolen. But that has been the level of rhetoric we keep seeing. I agree. You know, I lived through January 6th. A, a bomb was placed 200 feet from my office window that day. And I was evacuated at least three times. Um, and even today, uh, unfortunately, uh, we have a police officer, police car that visits my house once in the morning and once at night. Uh, after January 6th because of ongoing threats. The rhetoric that you talked about leads people to violence. And we gotta just, we just gotta stop with this rhetoric. And um, I think that the only way that I know uh, that we can stop is by elected officials and candidates who are running for office to pledge not to use that rhetoric and to stop others from using it when it happens. I think that's incredibly important and that's a responsibility of leaders to, to do that. I wanna pursue that a little more in just a second, but you're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. My guest is Illinois 8th District Democratic Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy, who is running for re-election. Um, and that's, I wanna to go to uh, what happened out in Wyoming when Senator Liz Cheney lost her GOP primary uh, 
She said she had expected the aftermath of January 6th to bring people together in defense of the Constitution. Uh, and obviously, she was disappointed, not just in her reelection, but obviously in what's happening in the country and how divisive people have been over the January 6th uh, committee uh, hearings. Um, how does, are you disappointed about that as well? I am disappointed. And Liz Cheney, Congresswoman Liz Cheney, uh, is a classmate of mine, and she's a very good friend. She's a constitutional patriot, as far as I'm concerned. Even though we don't agree on a lot, um, I believe that she's a loyal public servant to the United States. And unfortunately, what has happened, Craig, is that some folks have weaponized um, information and rhetoric to basically um, uh, further their political ends. And I think that it's up to us, it's our responsibility to do whatever we can to lower temperatures, to discuss issues in a civil fashion. Um, we can disagree without being disagreeable. And that's something that I think uh, more of us have to embrace. I certainly try whenever I have the opportunity. And uh, thank you for pointing out that I inadvertently uh, promoted uh, <laughs> Liz Cheney uh, to the Senate, um, but uh, she really won't be in Congress much even longer. But uh, let's talk about some of the uh, the other issues. Uh, um, your political opponent suggests you are not in touch with the community. So let's talk about what work you feel uh, is making a difference in the uh, in the eighth. Well, you know, one of my proudest accomplishments accomplishments is working with G.T. Thompson, a Republican from Pennsylvania, to, to modernize our nation's skills-based and vocational education system. This is the uh, post-secondary education system for the two-thirds of Americans who do not have a four-year college degree. And so um, I and G.T. Uh, passed this law, which basically um, allows for greater resources to be invested in skills-based education, while at the same time involving local employers to make sure that the careers that people are prepared for are in demand so that people have access once they complete their degree programs to get what I uh, call access to the greatest social welfare program devised by human beings, and that's a J-O-B, a job. That's what we want people to have once they come out of our post-secondary education system. That has led to uh, tremendous benefits for community colleges and high school districts throughout my, uh, throughout my area. Another area uh, that is another area of my work that's benefited my constituents is my work as chairman of the House Oversight Sub Subcommittee on Economic Policy, Economic and Consumer Policy, excuse me. And there I have gone after those companies and industries that prey on our children. So for instance, um, I was the first to investigate the vaping industry that has targeted our teenagers and youth uh, for their products. I'm proud to say that thanks to my work and working in a bipartisan manner with others, uh, the Trump administration actually put a partial flavor ban in place uh, we were also able to get Juul to stop selling its products in the United States uh, over the counter. And we are continuing to uh, make sure that big tobacco cannot prey on our children. Um, I've done other 
local community projects, including providing $340,000 to the Village of Schaumburg Police Department to buy a mobile response unit for mental health and substance mis misuse, and um, other, pro other monies to help our local leaders do their work. Uh I know that uh, one of the uh, one of your big issues has also been climate change. Uh, what's uh, what's happening in that area that uh, people should be paying attention to? Oh, thank you for bringing that up. I'm the co-chair of the uh, bipartisan solar caucus. I started this particular caucus with my colleague Ralph Norman of South Carolina. We could not be more different, Craig. Uh, he is a member of the Freedom Caucus. I'm not. He's a conservative Republican, I'm not, and his name is Ralph. I am not a Ralph. And so uh, despite those differences, uh, Congressman Norman and I came together on the issue of how do we make sure that the wealth and prosperity and jobs associated with uh, the solar revolution that's really overtaking the planet at this point um, is located in the United States. How do we get jobs and wealth and prosperity here in the US? And so he and I actually came together and put in place various laws, even in the Trump administration, to invest more in lowering soft costs. Those are the regulatory burdens that get in the way of installing solar. He and I helped to um, propagate more solar options on military bases. Uh, which are the biggest consumers of electricity in America. And he and I have worked together on other similar initiatives uh, to invest more in research and development in solar uh, to bring down costs. Uh, lately, as part of the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, my bill, uh, along with John Ossoff, uh, the senator from Georgia, um, is incorporated in to make sure that we can build more solar components and solar panels here in the United States. And we provide tax incentives for the manufacturing of made in the USA solar components and products. I'm very excited about that and I can't wait to see how it unfolds over time. Um, I, we should also talk about what is happening or what should be happening when it comes to public safety. Uh, because crime is on a lot of people's minds. Uh, what, uh, what is encouraging or what is troubling to you right now? I'm concerned about this issue. I'm proud of my relationship to law enforcement, especially in our area. They're some of the finest people you're going to meet, Craig. I'm very happy that, for instance, the village of Palatine received $6 million through the American Rescue Plan uh, to enhance its um, police and fire department and the village of Wheeling received $2.6 million from the American Rescue Plan uh, to build a new fire station and provide more equipment for first responders and police. I think that we have to cooperate and invest more in our community policing, not the opposite. And I think we have to do that um, so that uh, everybody can work together in a, in a harmonious manner to address crime while at the same time investing in our communities. And are you seeing indications that that is happening more? I know you, you talked about the, uh, the van or the, uh, the uh, mobile unit in Schaumburg. Clearly that's a different response than sending police to a, a mental health emergency. Uh, to what degree are you seeing that 
elsewhere? It's happening elsewhere, but this is a, a pilot project that uh, the folks at Schomburg and my office came up with because we want to we want to make sure that the police get out of the mental health business and that the mental health professionals can be at the scene to, to help people who are going through a mental crisis and prevent it from escalating. That is the name of the game in that particular situation. We are really excited and I was so proud to stand with Mayor Daly as we announced the $340,000 grant for this mobile response unit. I think it's an excellent um, example of, you know, federal and local uh, governmental agencies working together in the community policing area. And I'm hoping that it works well and we can really expand this pilot program uh, to other places. Uh, Republican nominee Chris Dargis uh, uh, calls you someone who votes 100% with President Joe Biden, and he says voters will reject that. And he says he's someone who's a problem solver, and that's what they're looking for. What do you say to him and to the people listening to him? I think that the reason why I get reelected is because I think a lot of people uh, vote for me because I'm an independent Democrat, Craig. Um, you don't have to look any further than my most recent trip to Taiwan to see my independence from President Biden. President Biden did not want me to go to Taiwan. I went there because we have to stand up to bullies and adversaries like the Chinese Communist Party and the People's Republic of China. As you know, I'm considered to be a, a little bit of a hawk with regard to the Chinese Communist Party, and I don't really um, pay heed to those who would uh, ask me to cave in the face of threats from the Chinese Communist Party. With regard to my other, I guess, other indicia of independence, I actually um, have authored the bill calling for an end to insider trading in Congress. That's the trading of individual stocks by members of Congress. Um, this has not earned me brownie points with my colleagues, Greg. Uh, <laughs> in fact, the leadership uh, tries to kill this bill every chance they get. I and my Republican colleagues and uh, some of my rebellious uh, Democratic colleagues are constantly trying to figure out how do we uh, evade uh, the various legislative traps that both Republican and Democratic leaders have set in place for, for what we're doing. Um, I don't care what they're gonna do. We're gonna pursue this um, along with other issues. I guess one last thing is um, I, along with some others, have also chided the Biden administration and others for not doing enough to uh, vaccinate the rest of the world. This is incredibly important. And I think I told you this, that uh, a few of my relatives died of COVID in India uh, when the Delta variant came out. And at that time, I committed myself to the mission of getting folks in other countries vaccinated because um, it's not only the right thing to do morally, but it's the smart thing to do to prevent those variants from coming back here to the United States and defeating our vaccines. That is something, again, that does not make me popular with this administration and others, but I'm going to continue to pursue it. And we are seeing in other, other parts of the world, like in Africa, um, not enough of the uh, of the vaccines. And obviously now we're also talking monkeypox, although it's less happening uh, in Africa than in some other countries. 
is getting to those people. We absolutely have to get to those people, Craig. You know, one of the greatest public health efforts in our history was actually done by George W. Bush, along with a Democratic Congress, and it was called PEPFAR. It was to rush uh, basically treatments and vaccines for AIDS to Africa to deal with the outbreak of AIDS in Sub-Saharan Africa. It's considered extremely successful. It contained the outbreak. And that bipartisan initiative is what we need now to control COVID as well as other outbreaks throughout the rest of the world. I'm still hopeful and I'm gonna keep pushing. Congressman, where do you differ on some other hot button issues with your opponent, uh, abortion, gun control? Yes, unfortunately, my opponent espouses some rather extremist views out of touch with the mainstream in our district. Um, unfortunately, uh, he believes that uh, Roe v. Wade was quote unquote bad law. He actually donated to the National Right to Life uh, group, which actually pushed the Dobbs decision and celebrated it. Um, and he thinks it's a quote unquote distraction. I believe that's what he called it at, in your program a couple of weeks ago. Uh, unfortunately for him, most women do not think this is a distraction. They want reproductive freedom and they don't want people like him uh, deciding for them what's in their best interests. We are out of time and thank you very much. That is Democratic Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy. I thank you for spending this half hour with us. To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at WBBMnewsradio.com. There is a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. We will be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, 105.9 WBBM. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 